Welcome to Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. I'm Wayne Rice, and I'm joined by my co-host, John Cologne, Director of Spiritual Development for the Legacy Coalition. We have two special guests on our podcast today, and we're going to hear from them in just a moment. But first, John, do you have any words of wisdom for us today? I really do. Uh, In light of the fact that we're talking about apologetics and giving a reason for our faith and the foundation being God's Word. Um, In an era where everyone's got their own truth, (laughs) uh, never was there a more significant time for us to be talking about these things we're talking about. One of my favorite cartoons is a bunch of cavemen uh, around a pile of quicksand, the guy's going down, and the line is, you threw him a bungee cord? (laughs) <laughs> and the whole idea of stretching truth and changing truth. Um, yeah, I think what we're going to talk about today is going to be very important. In fact, you you probably will want to listen to this twice and maybe take some notes because it's vital, especially in this day and age that we're in. So I'm, I'm excited about talking with Frank and Hannah about these things. Yeah. Well, let's uh, get right into it then. As I mentioned, we have uh, two special guests on our podcast today, Dr. Frank Turek and Hannah Sims. They are co-authors of Yes, God is Real, a curriculum for parents and grandparents to help children discover for themselves that the Christian faith is true, based on facts rather than opinions. Uh, You might say that uh, they've written an apologetics course for kids, and we're going to learn what that means in just a few minutes. Dr. Turek is an expert on this subject. He's written uh, or co-written a whole bunch of books on apologetics, including Hollywood Heroes, How Your Favorite Movies Reveal God, Stealing from God, Why Atheists Need God to Make Their Case, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, Correct Not Politically Correct, and Legislating Morality. As the president of crossexamined.org, he speaks all over the country making a case for Christianity, and he has debated some of the most well-known atheists in the world, including the late Christopher Hitchens. He has a radio program and a podcast. He's appeared on Fox News, ABC, and CBS. He's a former aviator in the U.S. Navy, Uh, He has a master's degree from George Washington University and a doctorate from Southern Evangelical Seminary. He and his wife, Stephanie, live in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. They've got three grown sons and two grandsons. Welcome to Legacy Grandparenting, Dr. Turek. Now we're out of time, Wayne. What are we going to do now? (laughs) You didn't Uh, have to read all that. Well, you know, it's impressive. That's what it is. But uh, let- uh, okay, there it is. We got a big cheer for the bio. Uh, <laughs> now let's get to the uh, let's get to the curriculum which Hannah really wrote. <laughs> okay. Let me tell you a little bit about Hannah. Hannah Sims graduated from Calvary University with a Bachelor of Science in Children's Ministry. She's worked with kids and teens for the past 15 years, including Child Evangelism Fellowship and Awana Clubs. She's a member of the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network, and she currently leads a ministry called Networkers TEC, which stands for Teach, Equip, Connect which seeks to provide the body of Christ with a network of resources for reaching the next generation. She lives in Kansas City, Missouri. Welcome, both of you, to Legacy Grandparenting. Thank you. So excited to be here. (laughs) That's that's good. 
We've we got, bring our own crowds on these things just in case you guys you guys don't give us the proper applause. Yeah, he's he's got his own uh, sound effects uh-huh. there. Uh, you know, do you have, also have hisses and boos? Uh, we got we got all sorts of magic over here. Come on. <laughs> I like it. That's really good. Right. Well, you know, we typically start our interviews with some nice softball questions that we call our legacy podcast poll, but we're going to skip most of those because we want to get right to the uh, meat of this thing. But I am going to toss one your way, Dr. Turek, since you have written a book called Hollywood Heroes. I'm wondering if you could tell us your favorite all-time movie. What oh, is- that's too hard, Wayne. There's too many good movies out there. <laughs> but I will tell you, we go through some of the top movie franchises in that book, like uh, Iron Man, <clears throat> Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Harry Potter. Um, and they all point to the greatest story ever told. They all point to the greatest hero being Jesus. That's what that book's about. Uh, so, uh, But this book, Yes, God is Real, is a curriculum that Hannah really put the legwork in for because – when young people aren't brought up with evidence, they can easily be talked out of it by social media, by their friends, by the culture. And so we wanted to provide a resource for second to fifth graders. And that's what this Yes, God is Real um, curriculum does. It's a teacher's guide and there's a student guide as well. And it's really based on the logic of the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, which argues from the ground up that Christianity is true. For somebody who says, I don't even believe in truth to the point that the Bible is the word of God, we take them through the whole process. Mm. Good. Uh, We're talking about apologetics here, and uh, let me ask you a question. Um, This uh, curriculum, uh, Yes, God is Real, is designed to help parents and grandparents teach apologetics to kids and to grandkids. Uh, But maybe we need to back up just a little bit and answer the question, what is apologetics? I mean, that word may sound a little confusing to some people, like it's about apologizing or something like that. Or maybe it's a little uh, abstract or a little too theological. Uh, How would you answer that? That's so easy that I can answer it, but I'm going to have the expert answer it. Hannah, go ahead, Hannah. Well, I like that you kind of brought up the aspect of apologizing because that is sometimes what people think it is, but really it's the exact opposite of apologizing. Apologetics comes from the Greek word apologia, which comes from 1 Peter 3.15, to always be ready to give an answer or, or a defense for the hope that we have. So that word for answer, defense, is that Greek word apologia. And so it's being able to give an answer or a defense or evidence for why we believe what we believe. And so it's helping others know, it's helping ourselves know that Christianity is true based on evidence. Very good. Very well stated. Yeah, let me ask you another question. And uh, this, either one of you can answer, what drew you to apologetics in the first place? Um, For some people, it's just not really their, their cup of tea. It Kind of takes a certain personality, wouldn't you say? Well, I came to yeah, I came to faith through evidence. Um, I always knew there had to be a first cause uh, growing up, but I didn't really know who Jesus was. And when I was in the Navy, I ran into the son of a Methodist minister, and um, I had so many questions for him. He just said, "You just need to get Josh McDowell books. Evidence demands a verdict in more than a carpenter." So back in the eighties, I read those books, became a Christian because I thought it was true. Then I ran into Norman Geisler, who um, was sort of the uh, Michael Jordan of apologetics at the time, and uh, wound up going to seminary here at Southern Evangelical Seminary in Charlotte, SES.edu, still a great place to go. 
and uh, then wrote a couple of books. One's called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist that I wrote with Dr. Geiser and then started a ministry called crossexamine.org. And Hannah actually came to one of the events that we run called the Cross-Examine Instructors Academy, where we try and train people to do this. And so she had a background in curriculum and, and writing for kids. And so this just worked out that we could work together on this project for second to fifth graders called Yes, God is Real. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, why do children, second to fifth graders, need apologetics? Uh, aren't they a bit young, really, to grasp some of the, uh, you know, some of the really abstract ideas, the reasoning behind uh, a lot of what we believe? Yeah, I think that a lot of times people do assume that kids are too young to learn apologetics. A lot of times when people think about apologetics, they think about it with teenagers, high schoolers, college age students, adults. But in my working with kids, I've seen that children need apologetics as well. And so just kind of simply, why do kids need apologetics? It's because the time is short and the need is great. And just to kind of expound on that, I'll share a little story. Um, so I work uh, with my church in doing Awana clubs. And so I work in the, the Sparks group. And so uh, last week I met a little girl, she's in kindergarten and she had uh, this cartoon character on her shoes. And so I was asking, her about that and I was like oh do you like that and she's like mm, I, I've grown out of that now and I just kind of laughed because that cartoon character is exactly for her age group but in her mind she had kind of like grown out of that and it reminded me of how kids sometimes think about God and how they think, you know, I grew up out of children's church and so I've grown up out of God. And so because they haven't been taught that Christianity is true and is not just a belief or they haven't been shown the evidence for why it's true or why God is real, they just see it as something that they kind of grow out of when they leave the church. And I know that it's no secret that the faith of our young people is not enduring often into adulthood, that anywhere from 60 to 70 plus percent of our young people who have made professions of faith, who have grown up in the church, that they're leaving the church, they're walking away by the end of their freshman year in college. And, you know, statistics can be very sobering, but what is even more painful is when that happens to someone in our own life. And I'm sure that there are grandparents that are listening right now that that describes the, their grandchild and that's a very painful um, situation that happens in our lives. And so, again, when we get to this point, we kind of ask, like, why did that happen? And we think, oh, well, it's because of, you know, secular universities or things like that. But really, when you survey that group of people and you ask them, when did you have your first doubts? They say that they had their first doubts. 40% of them say in middle school or even as young as 10 years old. And so this tells us that even though you can say the ticket for jumping off the cliff of faith is used in college, the ticket is bought much earlier. You know, uh, renowned researcher George Barna has said that what a child believes at the age of 13 is what they're going to die believing. So that means the questions like, who is God? Is the Bible true? Is Christianity true? How do I live my life? Where does morality come from? Those are things that they're trying to figure out when they're 10, 11, 12 years old. So these questions that they're asking you, it's not just because they're curious, but because they're trying to make sense of the world around them. And so if they don't receive answers for why they believe what they believe, why the Bible is true, why Christianity is true, if they don't receive those answers at a young age, they're going to put Christianity on a shelf. And even though they might physically be in our church buildings, mentally, they've already walked away. And going back to that little girl, remember, she's in kindergarten. And this week, she was telling me that she was talking with her friend about God. And she's like, I told my friend about God, but she doesn't think God's real. She believes in fairies. And so I told her about Jesus. But she thinks Jesus is dead. She didn't think Jesus came alive again. 
and they're having this conversation in kindergarten, but they're dealing with real world issues, things that we would talk about as adults. And so I just see that little girl and how she's very confident in what she believes right now, but give her a couple years and give her time to be influenced around her friend. If she doesn't have evidence and reasons and answers for why God is real, why Jesus rose from the dead, I could see her quickly walking away from the faith or doubting even at this young age. And so I think that this describes kids everywhere. And that's why kids need to have these evidence and have this information to know and have confidence that God is real because the need is great and the time is short. I think you had a right curriculum for their parents as well and their grandparents, <laughs> because I think we're two, three generations away from Planograph stories you know, from where. Well, actually, John, we do have we have curriculum for every age group. The youngest age group we have is this one. Let's God. Uh, yes, God is real. That's the name of it. And if they go to crossexamine.org and click on store, they'll find it. And that's for second to fifth grade. Then we have a sixth to eighth grade curriculum. Uh, and then right after that, we have the full curriculum called I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. So we've got a curriculum for every age group. Uh, and uh, we need that, as you pointed out, because the parents need to know it, too. But, you know, I don't know about you. I sometimes read kids books to help me understand something, <laughs> because when you got to explain it to a kid, you got to keep it simple and you got to know the material. So, like, if you ever read a kid's Bible, you go, man, I didn't know that was in there. <laughs> right? You're absolutely it, can, right. it can help you. So so even for a, an adult could go through the Yes, God is Real curriculum if they wanted to. Well, I looked through it, and I was very impressed and uh, didn't know some of the answers even. So, I mean, it's, you know, we, we're never done learning. And That's right. except we come as children, we won't see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I asked the question uh, previously about, uh, you know, aren't children a little young for apologetics? Because I think, you know, the common belief is that, is that kids don't really start questioning, you know, what they were taught when they were younger until, you know, around middle school, something like that. But you're saying that it takes place much younger. And, you know, very young kids uh, have been, in, in fact, there's a, a, a biologist by the name of Doug Axe who wrote a book called Undeniable. It's about the design in the universe. And he says even kids that are brought up in atheistic homes – when they see, say, a butterfly or a hummingbird, they go, oh, that's designed, right? The, the atheistic parents have to talk them out of it, that it's designed. Uh, so we ought to be feeding into that intuition that they have to say, no, it is designed. And there is a creator. Look, if there's a creation, there's got to be a creator. If there's design, there's got to be a designer. If there's a moral law, there's got to be a moral law giver. We should... We should cement that in their minds when they're very young because they're already open to that when they're very young. And so we ought to reinforce it at that point. Yeah, would you say that we're living in a time that's uh, particularly uh, hostile to uh, the Christian faith? Um, oh, absolutely. Seems like, uh, yeah. you know, when we were growing up, uh, when we were all watching the Andy Griffith show, uh, there wasn't there – wasn't, uh, that much questioning of what we believed as Christians. Now you could open the Bible and people would go, Oh, what does the Bible say? Now you open the Bible and they call you names, right? You know, and why do you believe that? So, um, you need to know why you believe what you believe. And this, yes, God is real curriculum can help young people do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this curriculum. Uh, what are the topics that you cover 
And uh, how do you approach each one with children? Maybe you can give us an example or two. Yeah, I'm going to let Hannah handle that, gentlemen. Unfortunately, I got to go, but I'm going to leave you in good hands because Hannah is the brains behind this curriculum anyway. So thanks for having us on. And grandparents, you can make a difference in your grandchildren's life. This might be one way to do it. Yep. God bless you guys. Great. Thank you, Dr. Frank Turk, for being with us uh, here on our podcast. And we will talk to Hannah. And uh, let me just uh, recommend uh, Dr. Turek's book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. That's just a great title for an apologetics book. And uh, his his ministry is crossexamined.org. Well, uh, Hannah, uh, thanks for sticking around, and we'll talk to. I'll ask you that same question. Uh, can, what are some of the topics that you cover in the curriculum, and can you give us maybe some examples? Yes. So there are six main questions that we answer in this curriculum. They are: Does truth exist? Is God real? Can miracles happen? Is the New Testament trustworthy? Is Jesus God the Savior? And then is Christianity true? And so each one of those builds on another to culminate to that big question, is Christianity true? And so, uh, you know, kind of as we've talked about, some of these are big subjects, some of these are weighty subjects, but these are done in a way that is fun and memorable for children. It's done in a way that they can understand. And the great thing about this curriculum is that it is written in script format. So you don't have to have background knowledge about apologetics. You don't have to feel that you have to be super versed in this, but it is something that would be very easy for a grandparent to read, um, even just like reading beforehand or reading to their grandchildren. And so there are like games, crafts, activities, object lessons that teach each one of these main questions. And so there are 12 lessons that answer these main questions. And so each one of these lessons has different key points. And so a grandparent could uh, teach a key point, maybe you know once a week or whenever their grandchildren come to visit, they could just teach one key point. Or if they would you know really want to do the, the whole lesson, they could do it in one setting, they could break it up, however it is that they want to do it. And as Dr. Turek mentioned, we also do have the uh, workbook that goes along with it so that the children can uh, fill in the blanks as they go through the lessons with their grandparents. There's some quizzes in the back, extra extra activity pages. There is flashcards that are included with the material. And so those can be cut out and uh, grandparents can play a game with the grandkids of looking at the picture and then seeing if they can remember the key point on the back and things like that. And just to give a few examples of some of the activities that we have. So for example, when we're talking about the fact that truth is unchanging, there uh, you can talk about taking a trip. So you could actually take a trip with your grandkids or you know, go to the store, maybe a, a fun place to go get something to eat, or you could just have a map and talk about directions, north, south, east, and, east and west, and then intentionally go the wrong direction or show the wrong direction on a map and then ask the kids, you know, if we continue to go the wrong direction, are we going to get to where we wanted to go? Of course not. But what if I said that the wrong way is my way and that's how I want to go and you're saying to go another way? Can we both be right? Of course not. If it's the wrong direction, it's really the wrong way to go. Or what if I'm just like super nice to you and I tell you, you know, I'm going to give you cookies if you believe me or, you know, I'm your grandparent, so you have to do what I say. You know, all of these are different things that they might, you know, pick up in the culture, being nice, someone in authority, things like that. But just because we hear things or just because someone is really nice to us doesn't mean that that's the truth. 
The truth matches the facts. The truth is unchanging. The truth describes the way things really are. And so that's what truth is. And so that's kind of a little object lesson on truth. Or another example is when we talk about God. And one thing we talk about is that with God, that if there's something in our universe, then it needed to have a cause. It needed to have a reason for why that thing happened. And so the introduction to that is to have a present. So maybe, you know, on Christmas or you could, you know, make a special present for your grandkids or on their birthday. You know, you ask them, where did this present come from? And they say, oh, this came from you, Grandma. And they say, are you sure it didn't just like pop out of nowhere? No, of course not. Presents don't just pop out of nowhere. There has to be someone to give the present. And that's the same thing when we see things in our universe, things that have been created. We have to ask, well, where did they come from? Who made them? And then talk about how we know that God is the creator. So it's things like that that are really fun to do with kids that are um, object lessons and things that engage them, that they're going to be able to remember these key points and help them know the evidence for why God is real. I love, you know, looking at just lesson three here at, on design, very creative, very simple, but but very profound. And the picture of Mount Rushmore, did that just happen? <laughs> and um, keyword bank to, you know, things to play with, fingerprint activity page. It's very uh, action-oriented, very tactile, especially when you're dealing with things like truth and very subjective things. No, I, I think you've done a great job on this, Hannah. I think you could teach it to grandparents. <laughs> Same course. Yes, yes Same I do. <laughs> I do love teaching to grandparents as well. I know Dr. Turek mentioned on um, some of the resources that he has. Um, I also uh, have an online class that I've had grandparents take and they learn this as an adult level. I love coming and speaking uh, to grandparents, teaching them these things uh, for themselves as well. Yeah. Well, I bet you do a great job of that as also. Uh, Hannah, I've got another question, and uh, it it's kind of comes from an article that I read uh, recently in uh, Christianity Today that um, kind of made the point that a lot of today's young people are turning away from the faith, not so much because of what was what used to be called the new atheism. That is uh, the brand of atheism that advocated by people like Dawkins and Hitchens that questioned the reality of God, that questioned the, the truth of the Bible and so forth. Instead, what's driving uh, atheism today, or the rise of the nuns among young people, is uh, evangel evangelical Christianity's aligning itself with uh, particular political views and social positions on racism and LGBTQ issues and uh, immigration and women's issues and so forth. Uh, does your curriculum address any of that, that some of the issues that the children and teens are struggling with today and trying to sort out? Not necessarily as far as as far as uh, more specific cultural issues like that. Um, the book more has an aerial view and then allows you to have conversations to apply that to current events going on. So uh, let's take the example of truth and talking about that truth is unchanging. And so it doesn't matter what you pretend, think, feel, believe, say something truth is going to be unchanging. Truth matches the facts. And so um, we do have like a suggested dialogue or ideas of how you could talk about in the gender identity and boys wanting to be girls, girls wanting to be boys, people 
children pretending to be animals. That's kind of like the newest thing in public schools, children pretending to be animals and having kitty litter in their bathroom and things like that. And so you can use that concept of truth to talk about if truth exists, can a person change their gender? If truth exists, can people change their DNA to be something else? No, because truth is absolute. Truth isn't changing. It doesn't matter what you pretend truth is. Or um, another thing is when we go into the lesson about how do we know um, about Jesus and that Jesus is God. And so once we know that Jesus is God, we know that whatever Jesus says is true. And so Jesus has said that the Old Testament is God's word and the New Testament is God's word. Therefore, the Bible is God's word. And so then let's see what the Bible says. And there's kind of a Simon Says game in the back, you know, like Simon Says, raise your hand and, you know, the classic Simon Says, but we've changed it to be the Bible says. And so we have cultural statements of things Things that the Bible says. And so there the kids will say, if the Bible says it, it's true and do an action. And then if it's a cultural statement that the Bible didn't say, then they have to recognize that. And then so they wouldn't do that action, uh, kind of like Simon says. And so we use that to show that the Bible is timeless and so that you can apply the Bible to any situation uh, and understanding. And so we kind of leave that discussion up to uh, the families or maybe what they're dealing with in, in their particular settings. Uh, but to know that the Bible is our foundation, the Bible is truth, it does apply to our life. And so uh, even though things of the culture will change, the Bible never does. It's kind of, it's kind of like... Um... A banker, they they could study every kind of counterfeit piece of money that would come in, but what they do is they train on the real stuff so they can identify in anything that comes in that does not look authentic. And that template for us is God's Word. And it's and I was just reflecting back, Billy Graham's main thing when he would preach is the Bible says... The Bible says. I think we need to get back to that because um, you're, you're absolutely right, Hannah. The foundation for all the maladies of this world and all the stuff that we see that we cluck our tongues on on the news at night, uh, it is answered in that. And the confidence that Christians um, need to have in the Word of God that it is timeless, unchanging, and reliable, and worthy of, of of following these truths. Yeah, powerful, powerful things. Well, definitely what our grandkids need to hear from us and see modeled in us is uh, complete dependence upon God's Word. You know, my earlier question about some of those cultural issues really stems from the fact that we've, we've been hearing quite a bit from grandparents whose grandchildren have walked away from the faith, not so much because they no longer believe in God or even no longer believe the Bible, but they're just finding the church to be a toxic place for them. Uh, it just doesn't seem to be lining up with or support what they believe is actually taught in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. And I think a couple things come to mind in what you've talked about. One is the aspect of a worldview. So a worldview is the set of lenses through which you view the world around you. And so basic kind of a uh, tenets of a worldview is like, does God exist? Who am I? Where did I come from? Um, how do I determine the good life? What is right and wrong? Things like that. And so um, 
that's kind of one thing is that the the kids are trying to make sense of the world around them. And so, uh, you know, as Christians, we want to see uh, the world through the lens of the Bible. So we want the Bible to be our ultimate authority. And that is our authority and understanding for how we view the world. But the world is telling our kids that they need to view um, the Bible through the eyes of the world. And so uh, the way that they think about the Bible or the way that they interpret the Bible needs to be from a worldly perspective, from man's centered perspective. And so I think that there is that, um, that struggle for kids, for teenagers to, uh, to reconcile which one they're going to believe which one they're going to follow. And I think that this comes back to the aspect of truth, because I think as grandparents, you know, the, the generation that they were raised in is kind of the idea that truth exists. And once we know what the truth is, then we would know what is false and we reject everything, you know, that would be false. And that would be the right thing to do because they already had that framework, kind of like you you brought up, you know, with the Anna Griffith show and, and recognizing truth. But today, the culture that we live in is what's called a post-truth culture. That was actually the word of the year back in 2016. And so post-truth means that what I feel is more important than the truth, that it's okay to spread or believe lies if it benefits me. And so even though we speak that the Bible is true and should be the basis for how we're interpreting these cultural issues, issues, that's not what they hear. They hear that this is an opinion. They hear that um, that this is something that you can believe if it benefits you. And so I think that if you lay the foundation of truth and that there is truth and we need to, to discover what the truth is and that the Bible is truth, then you would be able to use that to be able to have these worldview conversations to identify what is the best worldview. Is it Christianity and the way that Christianity explains life or is it some other worldview? And then as we deal with some of these cultural issues, making sure that we have the right biblical interpretation of these issues. So one thing in apologetics is that there are different types. The one that, um, that the curriculum is based off of is called evidential apologetics. So that's the idea of, you know, is, is God real? Is the Bible true? Things like that. But there's also presuppositional apologetics, and that's dealing with taking the fact that the Bible is true and being able to understand it and apply it in our lives from that presupposition or standpoint that the Bible is true. And so I think for young people that understand that the Bible is true, but are struggling with how to apply it in their culture and in their context, I think that type of discipleship is um, what can be helpful for grandparents to be able to engage with their grandkids. And, um, you know, that comes from just studying the Bible, getting into a passage, um, uh, understanding cross-references, what does, you know, not just one passage say, but how does that interact with other uh, things throughout the Bible. Um, A website that I really love is gotquestions.org and that's one for adults for grandparents there's also one called 412teens.org and uh, that's just the number 412412teens.org and uh, I blog or write for that site but there's uh, questions on there that deal with cultural issues that deal with current event issues that deal with biblical questions and but it has answers and perspectives from God's word so that's a great resource what is that um, website again um, four Give the website 12, one more time. Okay. It's 412teens.org, and teens. it's the number four, number one, number two, teens.org. And then the one for adults is gotquestions.org. And then they do have one for kids as well, um, gqkids.org. 
with a Z dot org. So uh, G Q K I D Z dot org. Yeah, what we'll do is we'll we'll put those links uh, in the show notes for for our podcast, so you can you can find them there. You know, those would be great places to start that maybe your grandchild has a question and so you could you know try to look it up on there and then see what um what perspective they offer from god's word and then look up those verses and then talk about that uh to to have that discussion and figure these things out because uh yes those are very important and very um real world issues that our young people struggle with and they need to have an answer and they need to know it from god's word to know the truth Hannah, the uh, curriculum that you've designed, you and Frank, um, was it designed for a classroom setting of grandparents with their children, or is it designed for the home, or is it applicable to both? And what do you see happening with your curriculum? So the way that I uh, that we designed it is to be very flexible for different settings. So it can be used in a Sunday school time. And I know that there are many um, grandparents that do teach Sunday school. And also, I know that there are many um, that are grandparents or maybe that are a grandparent age, but maybe they don't have grandkids in their Sunday school class, but they are serving as grandparents to those kids. And so they are very important in the discipleship of the next generation. So it could be used as a Sunday school uh, lesson or material, but it can also be used um, in family discipleship. So it could be used um, with grandkids that are just coming to grandparents' home and they're just you know there for an afternoon. And so grandparents are looking for something to do. And so they pull out the lesson and they can pick and choose based on maybe what a kid is interested in. They can start at the beginning and work their way through. They could do something like that. This could be a really great gift for grandparents to give their children to do with their grandkids, you know, as like a family devotion, something like that. Uh, but it can also be used um, in a Christian school for curriculum. It can be used in homeschool for Bible curriculum, things like that. But it's very flexible to be able to use in however you would like to use it in your family or in your church. Great. Okay, Hannah, tell us uh, one more time, uh, where, how do, how do we get the curriculum? Yes, God is real. Yes. So the best way to um, order the curriculum is to go to crossexamined.org, and um, you can buy it through Dr. Turk's ministry. And um, if you are looking for kind of coaching on how to use the curriculum, I offer some coaching as well. Um, I offer... Um, not just the curriculum, but also some Zoom sessions if you would kind of like to see the first lesson demonstrated or if you wanted to use that as Q&A like to, for yourself or to have your grandkids sit around with you to do some Q&A. Um, I offer some live coaching for that as well. And um, my ministry, as previously mentioned, is Networkers Tech and tech is spelled T-E-C. So my website is networkerstech.com. Great. Well, thank you, Hannah Sims, for uh, being our guest on the podcast today. And thanks to Frank Turek as well, even though he uh, he bailed on us a little bit early. Yeah, see, I have sound effects too, so <laughs> we can throw those in. But hey, we learned a lot about apologetics today. I don't think it's, it's a subject that we have addressed uh, so far on the podcast until now. So we appreciate it. And uh, we wish you a lot of success with this, with this uh, new curriculum. And uh, we hope grandparents will take advantage of it as well. 
Well, thank you. I appreciate that and appreciate you having me on the program. And I just really wanted to be able to have the opportunity to share with grandparents about this material. I know that some grandparents have a really wonderful relationship with their grandkids and have that opportunity for discipleship. And I love the fact that Legacy Coalition, that their heart is giving resources to be able to equip grandparents. I know for, for me and my grandfather, that that's the legacy that he left is having a strong faith and being able to um, to share about how important his faith was um, for my grandfather. Um, he was very accomplished in his career and things like that. But I remember him saying that more than anything else than fame or money or whatever, the most important thing to him was that he believed the Bible. And if it was written in there, he believed it. He didn't know apologetics, but he knew the Bible and he knew that it was important and true. And so to me, that is the greatest legacy for my grandfather that he left with me. And so I know that there are so many grandparents that are leaving that legacy for their grandchildren. And I just want to be able to encourage them in that and let them know that they're doing the best work. And I also know that there are grandparents who have a desire to do that, but maybe their uh, children don't want them to do that. Maybe they're hostile to Christianity or maybe they don't want them to talk about uh, God or the church with their grandkids. And I know that that's a great grief for grandparents as well. And so uh, I think apologetics can also be used as a form of of evangelism and being able to share truth in an inoffensive way, being able to plant those seeds of truth in the lives of their grandkids, even indirectly. And so apologetics can be used there as well. So I thank you for um, allowing me and Dr. Turek to be able to share that message to help grandparents both disciple and evangelize their grandkids. And I see that this really, it is a, a two-lane street on um, deepening faith and trust in God because grandparents have questions too. They just sometimes don't voice them. And uh, the best, as we've talked about, the best way to communicate truth is through relationship, you know, incarnationally living out those things that we talk about. And I just think this will be a great tool for discipleship, both for grandma and grandpa, as well as those grandkids, yet alone their own adult children. So bless you. May God continue to use this tool, and may you keep creating them. We need them. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Friends, if you haven't already, now's the time to register for this 2023 Legacy Grandparenting Summit. The National Conference on Christian Grandparenting is happening October 19th and 20th, and we're going to have a great lineup of speakers, including Tony Evans, Crawford Loritz, Hal Hopecker, Walt Mueller, Mike Singletary, Dr. Mark Yarbrough, Ann Gillies, Kathy Cook, Gene and Jeremiah Castile, and more. The summit is going to be held in Dallas at the Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship Church, and it's going to be live streamed to 150 churches all over the country. You can get more information and register now on our website, LegacyCoalition.com slash summit. Also, if you enjoy getting these podcasts and would like to help the Legacy Coalition reach more grandparents and impact more of our grandkids, please consider becoming a monthly financial supporter of the Legacy Coalition. You can do that online by visiting LegacyCoalition.com slash donate. We'd love for you to partner with us to influence our children's children to follow Christ. And that wraps up Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. Thanks again to Frank Turek and Hannah Sims for being our guests. Until next time, this is Wayne Rice and John Colomb saying so long and praying that you have a great week of intentional Christian grandparenting.